guys want to introduce yourselves? Started with Jet. Oh, all right. Uh, yo, what up? My name is Jet Lee. I'm co-host of the Jet and Mike Show. You can find us on YouTube, Media Alley, and I'm also on air for 103.7 WDBR here. Mm hmm Yeah, that's the guy right there, man. Jet, Hi. man, Jet, man. Yeah, that's me. Ah, <laughs> uh, Siobhan. I'm Siobhan. I'm just Bird's friend. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, it's short and sweet, and uh, yeah. obviously, Cam, that's my uh, partner in true crime. Um, we've been trying to get this episode down for the last couple of weeks when uh, all of the R. Kelly hoopla started, and we finally got a day. We finally got today um, pegged down, and right when we were, you know, game planning, we find out about the Laquan McDonald. Uh, uh, whew, something, wow, wow, Jason Van Dyke was, uh, oh, Jesus, six years and nine months, and most likely he's going to get, if that, probably two years, if that, and that's going to be a episode in of itself, so we're going to have that, again, we have posted it on Facebook, um, we will have a special episode on that, but this episode right here is going to be talking about the R. Kelly. Even though he hasn't killed anybody that we know of, this is going to be about the R. Kelly documentary. Unpacking that. Now, I know Jet and Mike uh, covered this in great detail on their show. And guys, you get that a listen. Um, actually, one of the reasons why I started doing the doing this podcast is to seeing these guys do it, and then just the chemistry and just the great content they put out, and then, like they really hit it on the nail when they were just discussing R. Kelly, and we just try to, I guess we want to give our two cents in, and Siobhan as well. But um, before we go, start doing this. Uh, Cam, can you hit the can you hit folks with the disclaimer? Oh, that's right. Okay, so. First off, Happy New Year, everybody. The last time you heard us was 2018. Um, but we just want to let you guys know that the information we'll be talking about is things we found on the internet, um, the documentary, or excuse me, the documentary that was um, all over TV the past couple of weeks, um, police reports, things of that nature. So if there's anything that um, is incorrect, offensive, um, for something you just want to tell us, let us know. You can hit us up at Killing Away with Bird and Cam um, on Facebook. That's the best way to get a hold of us. Um, you can also hit us up through Instagram as well, uh, which again is Killing Away with Bird and Cam. All righty, and that's it. Um, you guys ready to do the damn thing? 
I'm ready to do the damn thing. All right, got Jack, Siobhan, you guys ready to do the damn thing? Oh yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's so again, go. shout out again to the Root. Shout out to XXL Magazine and the documentary itself, which aired on Lifetime. And the documentary pretty much began with the upbringing of R. Kelly, who was born Robert Sylvester Kelly on January eighth, nineteen sixty-seven. So he actually had a birthday. And um, a sidetrack here. So a couple what a, of weeks ago. What a fucked up birthday, right? Sorry to cut you off. No, you good. <laughs> what, a, what a terrible way to celebrate your birthday. No, you say that. You say a terrible way. So he had a birthday party, not even a half mile where I live, and oh, it was like they had to turn away like two, three hundred people. Because, like, I guess they was just having a jovial time, and he's, like, singing all his hits. And, like, apparently, I don't know if it's been confirmed, but apparently you have women screaming, take me hostage, Robert. Like, oh, it, Lord. yeah, and I mean. Billy is fire. Yeah. Just very, very, very surreal stuff, to say the least. So, uh, Kelly is the third of four children. Uh, Kelly had a single mother, Joanne, who was a singer. And she raised her children Baptist. Fa uh, Kelly's father was absent throughout his son's life. And he lived in the Ida B. Wells Public Housing Project in Chicago's Bronzeville neighborhood. And Kelly has publicly said that, uh, and it was, it was uh, talked about in the documentary, that he was molested by an older female relative as a child. Um, he first was, uh, revealed this in his 2012 autobiography, Solar Coaster, on several, and it happened several additional times over the years. Um, in that documentary, his younger brother, Kerry, said that he experienced similar abuse as well. And Kerry had said, quote-unquote, if he's saying he was abused, I don't think he's lying because it happened to me. It happened to me. I was molested by a family member, and it shook my world because I didn't understand it. I knew it wasn't right, even though I was six years old at the time. So, I mean, that's just very, very heavy stuff. Exactly, and that's not something children lie about um, no. either. And especially, too, because Kerry recounted going to his older brother, Robert, or as most of us know him, R. Kelly. And he asked him about the abuse when he was a child. And like he said, Robert, him being my big brother, I brought that to him and told him what happened to me. And when I told him, he didn't really respond like I felt he should. When I told him, all he said was, no, that didn't happen. And I kept telling him, yes, it did. But he would keep saying, no, it didn't. And I left it alone. I didn't want to take it to my mom because if my brother was the test and if maybe he believed me, then I could have taken it to an adult. And then we talk about the former backup singer, uh, Javante Cunningham, who was one of uh, Kelly's former backup singers. And she was one of the women that were interviewed in Surviving R. Kelly. She actually worked with the singer while she was underage. But she played with him. Oh, Kim does recount a time when she was in the studio recording with Kelly. And she stated that he started having sex with a girl that she knew was underage in front of everybody, which to me, I don't know. I don't know how I'd handle that at a young age. I was totally 
afraid of all of it, I guess, at that age. Yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things It's like, I guess for me growing up, I, I kind of had cooties. I, didn't, I had cooties until I was 15. I'd be the first to admit it. So, like, I really... I really had a really late uh, introduction to that. I guess yeah. the birds of the beats, if you will. I like to pretend I knew what I was talking about, but whenever someone would ask me, I'd laugh and be like, you don't even know what that means, and right, then you know, ignore and the subject. Yeah, absolutely, and, and I would agree with that. I feel like I had a late start to that, too, just the, the environment that I was brought up in. But, you know, one thing that I want to say in, in reference to this is that, you know, not that it, it definitely doesn't um, – it doesn't excuse what he did by no, no. means. I'm not trying to make excuses. And I'm not trying to do that. But, but what I will say is, it definitely sheds light, and it and it does. It, it shouldn't be swept under the rug. I guess. It, it like. Oh, exactly. It's something that should be brought up immediately. Something that lightly in this whole. Absolutely. One thing I heard one time about, in terms of of I pedophiles, if that's what we want to call them, uh, you know. They were when you're when you are molested as a child, you are more than likely to do it again. Yeah, yourself. You know what I mean, and and so that something that they're addressing because and I and I I'm pretty sure I addressed it on my podcast and I and I hope I did because that I'm glad you guys are addressing. It. That's not something that you can be, you know, that that should be taken lightly. Mm -hmm. It's just like a it's a cycle. You know, and he has his right on the nail, and it's just one of those things. Like, it's not excusing what, you know, what we're going to talk about as we go along, but you kind of have some kind of understanding of why this happened, why, probably why this happened in the first place. And but to, oh, go on. No, 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 you go. I see, but what Jet was, I agree with Jet about, um, Especially with all, like, the child abuse, you fall back into that pattern of what you're used to. But it also kind of just opens up to child abuse in in the industry. Mm -hmm. In that whole Hollywood industry, there's multiple celebrities that have come out that have been in situations like that. Right. Um, which, luckily, you know, some of them have been able to change their life for But that's still something that impacts their life, changes their brain. Um, I wish it was more something that could be taken care of when it happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Um, so he, uh, so R. Kelly, um, these allegations go back 30 years. And one of the things that the documentary had, uh, had touched on was the fact that they remember when, uh, it was, uh, interview subjects remembered when he was in his 20s. And he was at his alma mater, Kenwood High School, and he would always talk to 14-year-old girls. And it seemed, and I remember I was having a conversation with my brother. He was like, man, everybody has like an R. Kelly story from those days. Like, you know, my uncle, he went to Kenwood with R. Kelly. I think he was like five years older, five years removed. But he would remember seeing R. Kelly, you know, at the school talking to freshmen. So, I mean, this is just documented. You know, 
it's this the stuff of, of urban, you know, legend, sorry to say. So the documentary then goes on to Aaliyah and they talk about the relationship. Um they talk about the marriage. He married Aaliyah on August thirty first, nineteen ninety four, using a falsified Cook County uh, marriage certificate and was later fa famously published by Vibe, which listed her at 18 at the time. Remember, she was only 15. And Demetrius Smith, this now, one takeaway, and I think a lot of people who listen, who, who, who watch the documentary and who probably listen to this, um, there was a lot of people who was interviewed on this uh, docuseries who did not come off looking good. And Demetrius Smith was one of these people. Like he was actually the one who forged the uh, paper. He forged the Ooh. documents. And this my He wasn't was, proud of that. No, he was not it, proud it, of it, that. No, see, that's the thing. He looked like, oh man, he just, oh man, you know, I did that. And I was like, man, I was just hoping that the like when they stopped filming, that the police was gonna come out of nowhere and just put handcuffs on this guy because it was. Just, I'm, I'm curious to why. The managers allowed him to do whatever the fuck he wanted. To get mm -hmm. away with being this godlike figure that he thought he was to everybody. Right. Right. Yeah. And you know, the the only thing that, that I think the most obvious thing that comes to mind is money. And when I hear that, I'm like, well, goddamn, he must have been paying you enough for you to not only be able to take care of yourself, but be able to take care of literally every member in your family for you to not say anything for, in, rep, in in terms of something like this going on. Come on, man. And, and you guys, one other thing about this Aaliyah thing, whenever he was talking about when he was the manager was telling the story about Aaliyah and he was like, oh yeah, I used to walk behind them, man, and and and, and they were holding hands, and they would just be joking. On and you see how he's smiling, and like this, this isn't a fucking game, man. Part he my knew the whole time. But like, come on, man, that's crazy. Yeah. And it and it's upsetting too because, like you said, they knew they knew the whole time. They'll sit there in front of the camera and say they didn't, but. Last time I checked, a 15 year old and a what, a 20, 28 year old don't sit there and hold hands and get them. Exactly. Mm. And wear the same outfit in interviews. I don't care what type of press run you're on. I and then lie about your age, go, shh, it's a secret. Like, I've pulled that trick before when I was in college or when I was underage. Mm -hmm. I know exactly when I was too young to say my age, and that's exactly what I did. And mm -hmm. So I, get, I think we lost Siobhan on the, uh, looks like she's got what I think she's driving, and I don't know if her... <laughs> <laughs> she's on her way to good. Vegas. Yeah, Vegas. So hey, she's like, well, fuck this, you know, I'm about to get turned. So uh, again, thanks to mom for her uh I guess she kept her two cents. But um so we do have uh about Aaliyah. So um Demetrius Smith had said, you know, again, I'm not proud of that day. I had papers forged for them. Aaliyah was underage. We got the marriage license. We were at a hotel in Maywood, Illinois. It was just a quick little ceremony, nothing elaborate. Aaliyah didn't have a white dress. Robert didn't have a tux, just everyday wear. Robert said, I do, him and Aaliyah. And he made, later goes on and say, Aaliyah, Aaliyah looked worried, scared. I wanted so much to grab Aaliyah and talk to her. She gave and me a look. Why didn't he? Right. And exactly. it's, one of those things, it's one of those things that maybe it's that, okay, R. Kelly is a very powerful man. And, you know, maybe he's so... He's so wrapped up in the power and the wealth and all the stuff that it comes to it. So, I mean, that's probably my only... It's not a justification, but that's 
probably the only reasoning I can come up with. And that's how I feel too. But if he's sitting here saying he had that thought, man, if I heard that today, I would have found him and I would have started mm-hmm. to fight with him. Because but, I, I, but then I, I kind of, I don't, I, I like how, and I say this very sarcastic. I like how he says, "Oh, he was, she was wearing a white dress and he wasn't wearing a tux. Just everyday wear. Oh, oh, like that's so supposed okay. to." Yeah. So it's fine. Oh, it's fine. It's we're, fine. We're normalizing a child marriage, pretty much. And like be, being Aaliyah, who's fifteen, some women aren't even considered women at fifteen. So that just shows how young she really, really is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the marriage was annulled a short time later, with Pu- Kelly publicly maintaining that the wedding never happened. However, in a Good Morning America interview with R. Kelly's attorney Stephen Greenberg. He confirmed that the marriage did occur, but then he tries to create a fail-safe of sorts. He said that he was married to her when she was 15. Elvis was married to Priscilla, he said, referencing to Elvis Presley and his wife Priscilla, who was 14 when they met and 21 when they married. It's, a, it's different, though. They were 21 when they were married. Well, she was 21 when he was married. I think he was like oh. seven oh, years they- older. Well, yeah, but I'm waiting for that documentary to come out, so I have I have nothing to say on that yet. Yeah, that, that's how I feel, and I gotta be honest, like, the Michael Jackson stuff, too, I gotta wait oh, for that. Oh, yeah, that is coming so, yeah, out. That's gonna be an intense documentary. Ooh. It is, it is. And you know what, and, and I think so, I'm glad that we kind of touched on that real quick, because I think there's something to be said for, it, people just aren't ready for celebrities of this stature of the, of the iconic level to, to come out with accusations like this against them. And I think that's why so many people are having a such to, a, such a hard time uh, coming to terms with what R. Kelly has done um, and why there's so much defense of him and why uh, it's just so hard to, and because I feel like a lot of times I hear, Oh, well, uh, if, if you're going to lock up R. Kelly, then, you should lock up this person like no fucking shit like yeah but let's focus on the task at hand we're talking about r kelly we're not talking about everybody else yeah everybody always likes to include everyone else but the situation that happened and i guess it kind of relates to what we were saying earlier about him having more power than we even freaking know because here's a guy who's blatant evidence guilty and he's still not in jail Mm -hmm. and um Back to our little um, shindig. Uh, according to The Root, who originally published the story, the GMA interviewee inquired what they said was, but so then 15 is not a legal age of consent. And I thought in Illinois, I, I could be wrong, isn't the legal 16. age of consent 17? Oh, no, 17. Yeah, 17. Oh, my gosh, it's 16. Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah, yeah 17. I, was like, I really thought it was 17, which doesn't make this any better by any means, but, um, still. To me, it's always going to be 18. What? Yeah, let's just make it all legal adults when we're 18. That'd be great. We're not, we're not in the 1800s anymore. We don't have to sell, sell brides or children anymore. We don't need to do that. Right. And, um, back to the interviewee that asked if 15 wasn't the legal age of consent, um, Greenberg actually replied. And he goes, except that my understanding is that she did not claim to be 15. In order to get married, she had to lie about her age. 
And he's saying that he had no idea, the interviewer he asked. And Greenberg made sure to confirm that he had no idea. But there are a few things that kind of go against that statement. There is, of course, the title of the first album and its hit single, Age Ain't Nothing But a Number. I mean, isn't that, I mean, my bad to cut you off for a second, Cam, but it's like, Kels is calling us. He is. He's like slapping you in the face, being like, look what I'm doing, you can't do anything about it. Right. Right, exactly. All of this, all this shit, he's just dangling it. Yeah. Yeah. And... And the worst part is, I can't tell if he knows it's right or not because of the way he was raised in his environment. Absolutely. And you know what? Speaking of dangling it, I mean, let's touch on the Pied Piper for a minute. Yes! I mean, like, that's, yes. the most, that's the most blatant, like, smack in the face exactly. if, if I've ever seen one. And if you please elaborate to the viewers uh, what the Pied Piper, that fable, what that story All right. is. Yeah, for, for my understanding of what the Pied Piper is, uh, he was a rat catcher, I believe. Mm-hmm. And so his job was to go around to different uh, towns and, and lead the rats out of town, get rid of the rats. Well, he went to one town and they, they, they didn't pay him for his services, I believe it was, or something like that. So to get revenge, what he decided to do was take his flute and play a special tune to lead all of the kids out of town to a a forest or wherever the fuck, never to be seen again. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Oh, man, I forgot that one. And he's singing on the track, the Pied Piper. Like, what? Having fun with it. After, either after or during the the uh, trial of about the peeing on the minor, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. It was either during or after that trial. When he leads. He leads off with the step in the name love. This the Pied Piper of R&B. Like. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like almost every genre has one, even though this is the first one with a documentary about it. So that's great, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, that's the thing. And, you know, Jerry, Jerry Lee Lewis, uh, he married his 13-year-old cousin. But then his career, like, as soon as that came out public, his career was pretty much over because he was supposed to surpass... Elvis as the king of rock. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you guys ever saw uh, Great Boss of Fire, the movie, but that is just so fucking good. I uh, recommend it. But that... um, Chuck. I'm a diehard Elvis fan, though. That's why I'm like... (sighs) Yeah, yeah, Elvis, yeah. Because he did me. He did me, Priscilla, when... uh, I forgot his last name. He did me, Priscilla Presley, when she was 14. And he did wait till he's... You know, she was 21, but who knows what happened in in that intermediary process between 14 and 21, or 14 to at least 16 or 17, whatever the hell consent was in those days. Yeah, as if it was right. even followed. But yeah, it's just it's a it sadly is a very slippery slope when you talk it's about that. It's unfortunate being being from a woman standpoint that mm-hmm. we've. We're, 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 we, we're looked at as property. And back then, we could be married off at 14. We could be sent away for some chickens or whatever. And R. Kelly feeling that he's got the power over these women who are in the stage of figuring themselves out and being vulnerable, that is a scary, scary, scary feeling. Yeah. Yeah. And... Um... And it's just like, it's so many, as we go back on Leah, and 
it's just so much evidence that Lee, when he said, uh, R. Kelly's lawyer said that, oh, he had no idea. Again, there's the age, but ain't nothing but a number. There's the, I don't know if you guys heard the song, She's Got That Vibe, and saying cute little Leah's got, got it. That song came out in 1992 when she was, what, 13? Then there was the 1994 BT interview that was referenced in the documentary. They're showing up in matching outfits. They're claiming that they're only best friends. And when they asked about the age, deflected it. And, I mean, it's just very... It's No, you don't do that unless they're hiding something. Right. You don't, and right. every lie's got some bit of the truth in it, if you think about it. Mm-hmm. Because why? Because why? When during that interview, why would you be so so hesitant to say your age, and especially that young? I mean, like you don't learn a lady never says her age. You don't learn that until you get older. You know what I'm saying? Like I always say my age, and that's sort of. It's, I thought it was a lady never kiss and tell, but right. Well, I don't know. I just, yeah, just. I don't know. That's it's just it's just weird, man. It's just weird. Like yeah. like you said, I feel like it was it was just in front of our eyes all this time, and and we and well, and I gotta give our generation a little bit of slack only because like you gotta think, dude. We I mean we were how old when all this shit was going on? Like how are we really supposed to understand it? You know exactly. what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. I mean him being trapped in a closet though kind of freaked me out at my young age. So like yeah, I remember, yeah. and, and that's, that's, that's I, the only reason I why I knew he was a creep. I was like, I don't know if I'd want someone trapped in my closet. And the, I remember when Trapped in the Closet came out and like I thought it was remember, hilarious. Like okay. yeah, and I think it was like what, thirteen, fourteen? And I remember every Sunday, like in Chicago, um, we got WGCR radio station. Every Sunday, they would come out with a new part, and we was like, we would just, I know the words, I'll know the first five parts. Hey, did you? To, oh, like, I mean, when that's the thing, and I think we're getting ahead of ourselves in a sense, but, and it's something that I do want to pose a question down the road, is to, can we separate the man from the music? Because, I mean, it's, I guess as we get older, and I guess as this documentary really kind of, you know, as I've dwelled into it, it's just so hard for me to listen to the music and not, and to separate what he allegedly did. But he's, it's, he's, you know, he's kind of secluded, though. You know, he makes his music and does his thing, but you don't hear much from him outside of his musical talent and careers until now. Mm, yeah. And he's, he, he's, I don't know how he's able to do it. And I think this is why he got away with it back then because technology was nowhere near where it's at now. Um, so he's able to get away with a lot more, but the fact that he still can avoid the internet and what he says every day that people aren't following him around and catching everything he says is beyond me. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but- like, why is nobody up in his face right now talking about the documentary? Yeah. And, and, and here's the thing, like, if one does more digging on this whole episode with Aaliyah, um, the reason that the marriage was known was explained by Chicago reporter Jim uh, Derogatis, who broke uh, the R. Kelly misconduct investigation in the early 2000s. And in that, uh, it was a um, New York Times podcast, it was called Popcast, um, last spring, he said that, quote-unquote, the annulment of the Aaliyah marriage and Aaliyah's legal claim against him had been sealed in Detroit. They were sealed by the court, but those documents were provided to me. It's a harrowing document, a non-disclosure agreement, 
on both her part and Kelly's, vowing not to pursue further legal claims for physical abuse. So it wasn't just an underage sexual relationship. He hit her allegedly, according to that court document. I mean, do you think he did that before they got married? Because, um, yeah. like his manager was saying with him, saying she was scared, she was worried. He already got his claws under her, Aaliyah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Lizette uh, Martinez, who also um, is one of his victims, she was also featured on the documentary. She goes on to say that Kelly coursed her into a sexual relationship. And she also is underage at the age of 17. She actually continues in the documentary that she became pregnant with Kelly's child when she was a senior in high school. She miscarried shortly after she found out about the pregnancy. Martinez claims that Kelly told her she was the inspiration for You Are Not Alone, which became a hit song by Michael Jackson oh. in 1995. Okay. I can okay. never listen so, to that song again. May, 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 I, may she, I cut in for a moment? Please yeah, go for it. This is exactly why I stand on my position of, like, I'm able to keep the, the artists and their art in the same category and not separate it. Mm -hmm. This is exactly why. Because that's, I've said this all this time. I can't sit there and sing um, uh, 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 ch anything from Chocolate Factory or, 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 or Step in the Name of Love and have the idea that he is writing this about some underage girl and I've only said this just based off pure opinion and now it comes out that he tells a high schooler that the inspiration behind one of his songs that people are proud you know what I'm saying or yeah. behind a song is this high school girl like no this is exactly why I have no problem not separating that's disgusting i would not i just don't feel right singing a song knowing that yeah and the fact that she believed it too is is the issue watching the documentary i don't know i can't tell you if it is true or not but right. i it was hard for me to tell if she could tell if it was true or not that he wrote it about mm -hmm. her but you guys want to know about her uh, huh, but here's the crazy thing and i'll get back to her in a second but you know kind of to kind of make this full circle the if you guys saw the the music video of you are not alone it's with michael jackson and his wife at the time the daughter of elvis presley so i mean it's just what that's so weird yeah it's just it's, so it's like i don't know if this is like like the crazy conspiracy ther therapy or uh theory sorry i listened to conspiracy <laughs> therapy great podcast too um the conspiracy theory, but like all of this is connected. Everyone's connected somehow. Yeah. They did all this shit on purpose. Michael Jackson knew. Crystal, they all knew. They all knew. Oh, man. So it's all conspiracy. Yeah. Yeah, I mean shit. So it's around this time that he meets Andrea Lee, who becomes one of Kelly's backup dancers and then eventually marries her in nineteen ninety six when uh, she was only twenty two. And Lee, who recounted stories of her husband's behavior on the documentary, also talked about their wedding day. Uh, it kind of stood out to me. She said that my wedding was a surprise wedding, quote-unquote. I did not know that I was going to get married. Um, we went to Colorado, and I remember going to a hotel room, and there was a violinist. There was a cello player. He had the cake. He had the food. He had everything. He went all over the top, but then she said that it was like 
Robert, what if I wanted to do it in the church? What if I wanted to wear a wedding dress? And she had said that this was later on, she kind of realized that this was one of the forms of his controlling behavior. Oh, boy. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's you know it's a mean? good big, big step, and it break them down, like. Yep, it and it's it's the vicious cycle um, that constantly repeats itself, and it, it gets even worse because Kelly and Lee had three children together, so it's very hard to separate, yet still be a family. And Lee uh, even had to file a restraining order against Kelly. Mm-hmm. Kelly in 2005 after he felt her in um, At the end of episode two of Surviving R. Kelly, Lisa Van Allen was introduced as another woman who was sexually abused by R. Kelly before she hit the age of 18. She was a former backup dancer who met R. Kelly at the age of 17 and engaged in a sexual relationship with the singer that actually included threesomes with underage girls. Ugh. That's terrifying. And she actually continues to explain further on about her sexual tirades with Kelly in episode three. She actually acknowledged that the singer would often videotape their sexual acts and with her out without her permission. She didn't really realize how consistently he would record their encounters until she discovered a bag he had that was full of tapes. Van Allen started to watch some of them and discovered that she was one of many of the tapes performing sexual acts with R. Kelly, along with an underage girl. So she later said that um, she had took the video, uh, one of the videos, uh, and she had gave it to a friend. And that friend ended up, uh, I believe he had got it on, um, he, saw, he extorted R. Kelly. I thought I thought she left it in a hotel room. Yeah, it was a hotel room. It was the hotel. Uh, it, something to that extent. But I know that he had got it. Ex- uh, I think yeah, he had to pay like two. Yeah, he had to pay like uh, six figures in that range. But mm-hmm. it was the precipice for that leak of the infamous sex tape. Oh boy. Oh boy. Yeah, so um, R. Kelly's former tour manager, uh, Demetrius Smith, that fucking guy again. He also uh, yeah, yeah. Every time we refer to him, please follow that up. That, with that fucking, fucking guy. guy. Cause that's, cause that's, again, that's what I think about every time. He said that he confirmed that the singer recorded, collected sex tapes for his own personal use, and he would say, "Man, we gotta pray. I can't cons- control myself with these tapes." And so does this mean? Does this mean Dimitri Smith knew he was recording yeah, these tapes with underage chicks? Yeah. And I, uh, that's the thing. why was he not? And maybe, maybe this is uh, hindsight twenty twenty playing armchair quarterback. But why was he never like complicit? Yeah, or at least indicted. Does he have daughters? Does he have daughters? That's what. Like he had to. Do you, you know what? Even deeper, do you think these people that are helping him cover it up, do you think like they're participating in any of this shit? Is that like why some of them possibly aren't coming out? 
Yeah. I mean, like saying anything at the time. That's, you know, that thought has crossed my mind too, that they were so okay with it that. You know what? I, and I'm glad, I'm, and, and I want to piggyback whenever Cam finishes one, because uh, you guys are really touching on a, an excellent point that I just, rem- just remembered. But continue, Cam. My bad to cut you off here. Oh, no, go on, go on. I'm cutting oh, brown. But I think it's one of those things that, um, and we're going to uh, mention um, Sparkle in a second, but we is, is, you get the feeling that a lot of people who knew, it's just like, they have the mindset of, well, at least it's not somebody that I know, at least it's somebody who's not close to me. Right, like it's it. They it's like have the big this family secret that yeah. everyone knows but won't talk about. Yeah, and I mean, um, we were just talking about Devon, uh, Devonte Cunningham. We talked about earlier, and she was his back. She was his backup singer dancer for years and years, and she knew all this stuff, and she was still like years later. She's like, you know, I was just very concerned when she was with Robert, and I was like, why didn't she do anything? Right. Do you think most of it was because, again, their age, they thought they were going to be famous? Maybe so. That this multimillionaire yeah, I mean, yeah, also probably It's just crazy. It's just crazy what gets fed to people and people believe it. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just saying, yeah, like, I agree. Fortino of May R. Kelly, the biggest. I get it, and and that and that is case in point why the they went willingly. Okay, yeah, but at that point is like null and void because they're fourteen. Believe they're going to one day be the biggest star in the world, and their success story. They can talk about how R. Kelly put them on, and it doesn't turn out that way. And at the very end of the fucking day, you know better because you're a grown ass man, and they're fourteen. It doesn't matter if they're willingly ready to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I agree one hundred percent. So, and, it, and it's unfortunate too. Yeah, it, it really is. So, meanwhile, at the Chicago Sun-Times, derogatives have received an anonymous tip that Chicago Police Sex Crimes Unit had been investigating Kelly for some time regarding his relationship with uh, underage girls. And they later found out that Kelly had faced several lawsuits for alleged uh, misconduct, and almost all of them had either been impeded or stonewalled due to lack of cooperation from witnesses. And then... There's the tape. In February 2002, an anonymous package was delivered to Derogatus at the Sun-Times. It was the tape that allegedly features Kelly having sex with a 14-year-old girl. The tape was not only described as graphic, but it was hardcore porn with an underage girl that included urination and oral sex. R&B singer Stephanie Edwards, or as people call her, Sparkle, who appeared in episode two as surviving R. Kelly, actually revealed that the girl on the tape, in fact, was her niece. I would lose my shit if that was my niece. I would I would be in jail for murder. Bottom line. I would be in jail for murder, and I might regret it in 20 years, but that's just, not, that's just disrespectful. Mm-hmm. And... What Sparkle continued to say was, on the tape, my niece has the same hairstyle she had when she was 14. 
that was her, for sure. And she also added, that was him, definitely. Van Allen also confirmed that it was Sparkle's niece in that tape as well. He and I were actually having sex with her. I was unaware of how young she was, or so she claimed. And she was adding that the young girl was 14 and she was 18 at the time of the encounter, which is still not okay. Oh? Uh-huh. No. Oh. So, I don't, so, yeah, you go, you go. I was going to say, even a deeper, I think, question here is, if I'm not mistaken, Sparkle also said in that, in that part of the documentary that, you know, he ends up getting off, she says, because my brother and, and, and or his wife or whoever, they, they didn't say anything. They didn't, they didn't go to court. They didn't say that, they didn't identify her. So, my question is, as a fucking parent, yeah. <laughs> how much Daddy. money do you have to get paid? Like, yeah. I, I hear I hear everybody's got their price, but when it comes to my child, bro, like, there's, there's no, no price. amount of money in this world. Exactly. Like, what the hell? And, 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 and if you believe this, um, years after the fact, uh, it was alleged that the father of the, uh, the alleged victim still played in his band. Get the fuck out. I shit you not. And Sparkle even says on the tape, before she starts bawling, that it fucked her up. And that it was over with. And it still haunts her. And this is where I would agree with her, that it should have never happened. And it sucks because she introduced him to R. Kelly, to her family. And now she has to live with that the rest of her life. Yeah. And, um, wow, yeah, it's, and she, it's just very, and again, it's just one of those things, and, and I don't know if to do devil's advocate, but, like, she, and a lot of, and she got a lot of, uh, she got a lot of support on social media, and rightfully so on that, but then she got a lot of flack, uh, also, because there were people like, well, she'd worked with him for years, uh, no. and she had to have known his, uh, his inclinations for young women, so to speak. So, Even if she did, though, the concept is a lot that humans live by is, oh, it'll never happen to me. But yeah, and it's that's fine. the thing. She had she she introduced her niece in the documentary. She says she introduced her niece to him. She's thinking, oh, she's a, a up and coming rapper. He's gonna make her a star. You didn't think that he wasn't gonna do anything. I mean, to Got to have some kind of, and again, armchair quarterback. Uh, maybe it may be easy to say it after years and years after the fact, but you have to have some kind of like awareness. Like you know his his tendencies. Since you've been a little more suspicious. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's me, but like that's that's one of the things that I had picked up myself. And yeah, so we talk about the the the, um, the tape and like bootleg. It it spread like hotcakes. Like I I remember when those tapes were coming out. Like oh boy, I was like fourth fifth, fifth grade, and like it was everywhere. Like I remember we would come out jewels on Eighty Seventh Street, and they just selling it like it's the Bible, like it's the whole witnesses out here. We got the R. Kelly, got the R. Kelly pissing tape, like yeah. That- Oh, that the was, OG that was sex tape. That I always to, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Cam. Oh no, that's all I want to say. The oh. OG sex tape. Right. Well, exactly. And that's something I wanted to ask you, Bird, because I just thought about what I said earlier, being like, you know, I was that young, so it didn't 
pop up on my radar, but I mean, you're growing up in Chicago mm-hmm. at, at, at this time. So it's like how, how, like the city must have been on fire. Yeah. And this is one of those things like, it's not like, I just remember like, oh man, R. Kelly. And it, okay, here's the, here's the thing. And I guess to kind of backtrack, I first heard R. Kelly on, I believe I can fly. So I'm thinking that he is like of the Kurt Franklin realm, this this spiritual singer, right. this uplifting, this motivator. So when I see this tape, it's just like, huh? And then to see like all these songs, like the Chocolate Factory, all stuff on the Chocolate Factory and Ignition. And then uh, I, when I first heard Bump and Grind, I was like, wait a minute, this is R. Kelly. This is the same R. Kelly who did that. So it took a long time for me to compete. Right. I'm thinking he's just like the spiritual singer, like he's this gospel singer. That's what I thought. So it was yeah. just very, it was like, huh. And I just, I remember like, uh, it was said like this is when, when VHS was still a thing. Yeah. That I vividly remember. It's like, crazy. crazy. It, it, yeah, it's fucking crazy. So, um, guys, we have been talking for almost an hour now, and. Jesus, so much to unpack. Like, we've only covered, like, the first couple of episodes, so we're probably going to have to eject if you can come back uh, sometime next week. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Yay! Man, especially on such short notes, this is why why he is the king of Springfield Media, the hardest working man in Springfield. You heard me, Mackle. The hardest working man in Springfield. Like, wow, again. And this is how, like, uh, this is on 30 minutes short notice. He did not even know that we were going to be recording until Mike was like, hey, can you do this? Like, yeah, sure. Can I say, can I please say that um, I'm proud of you guys and all of your success in your first season, and I wouldn't have missed it for the world. Mike, actually, we were recording Wednesday night, and he was telling me in pre-production, you know, they want to get you on the show soon. I'll let you know. Uh, Gave me a call tonight, was like, hey, they want to talk, so I I wouldn't have missed it for the world. I'm proud of you guys. Hats off to a great first season. Um, Many more to come. Uh, Thank you guys so much for having me tonight. I really appreciate it. You're the best. All right. All right, brother. All right, man. You guys be smooth, all right? All right. Have a good one. All right. Yeah. All right. So, um, yes, guys, we're going to have to – oh, God, we're 45 minutes is usually our time where we kind of wind on up and we ride on off to the sunset. Um, man, two episodes, and it's just like, geez, if we did four-way through, we were probably, we're going to be two hours. And I know it's one of those things really? that we, we can do two hours. We so much to talk about. Yeah. Like, and I'm so glad Jet, like, was on and gave his input because it, we just were going back and forth with just so much great different information and, like, mm-hmm. different mindsets, and it was awesome. And, and I'm glad that, you know, he came on here because, again, and, and I do want him back because, again, he is a father. So... Yeah. I know he has to have, it's one of those things as his daughter grows up, you know, he's going to have those anxieties that you're going to have men like R. Kelly just patrolling around and you, I mean, just having those anxieties. It's just very, you know, just to have a, a it's an insight from that kind of point of view. And two, I understand completely where he's coming from because I am a daughter. I am a, a very much, I love my dad to death. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that fathers have to grow up worried about their daughters and in everyday circumstances is something that does have to change. Um, we shouldn't, women shouldn't have to worry about every time going to their cars, locking their doors, walking around at night, having some 
old man seduce you into thinking yeah. you're something that could change the world. And don't get me wrong. I totally going to world in my many times and I can father should be my king and should be showing me how to act, not some creepy man on the street. Right. Yeah, I mean it's just and I know it's gonna be some things that you know when I listen when I listen to this again and it's like, oh man, we missed that and it's just like it like you just hit on the money. It's so much to unpack that yeah. one episode ain't gonna be enough. Who knows if two of like we're just two parts in and we're an hour. Like, it's just so fucking, like... We're not even 50% through. No, we're not even thirds of the way through. <laughs> it's just like, wow. And, again, as we said in the beginning that we are, at some point, we are going to talk about the Laquan McDonald uh, episode. It's one of those things that we really have to uh, talk about this, not just as a mini-soap, but as, not just a mini-soap, like but to really... Yeah. Yeah, we really have to rehash this as we talked about it and, and that you guys can find it on the archives just to really kind of, you know, oh boy, that was some water just ping. But, um, <laughs> surprise, bitch. <laughs> again, again, this is just such short notice. Um, you know, you're a busy woman. I'm busy. Uh, got guests are busy again. Why are we so popular? Bruh. I, I, I don't understand. <laughs> I, and, and the goal is to, and, and the goal is to, you know, be more, you know, get that, spread that word out as much as we can for that second yes. season. Yes. Oh my gosh! Before we go, are we still on the air? Yeah. Oh yeah. Hell yeah. We okay. Are still hell on yeah. Air. Before we go, let's just talk a little bit about our 2019 New Year's resolutions for uh, Illinois with Bird and Cam. So my side is, I definitely want us to get on with you know, the contract we were looking at, mm -hmm. um, which would be awesome. Definitely need to get like, not only like Facebook, social media, but like an entire website where we can put our episodes, we can have Patreons, maybe even start promoting like stickers and stuff and really starting to be able to edit our episodes and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, I think it's one of those things is that I kind of like, Leave it as it is when we record, just to get like, you know, I mean, this it's is, this so is, us though. Yeah. Like nobody else would just let this be like whatever. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, and as long as we like don't want to, you know, sanitize it too much. This is our first time like talking about. It. I wanted to have like the first actual reaction is the best reaction. Is that you're so all... right? You're so freaking right. It's that okay? Scratch it one fucking off. Because Scratch if we it do off. it, like I said, if we do it three, four, five times, and then it just sounds like, uh, man, it sounds forced. So it sounds just like scripted, and it's one of those things as a wrestling fan, like I just hate, like it just you just know that they're reading from a script. You're so right. And we are reading yeah. so much from script for our, for our notes, but how we, you know, react it and how we see it is just like, what the fuck? Yeah, and I swear we get better each time, and it's. It's freaking awesome and it's fun and I love, I love too because like you were saying we just read off the script so it's like it's a script but then we put in like what we think and our opinions behind it, which is like both a blessing and a curse because everyone's got their own opinion. Yeah. But then at the same time, some people think we're like very one sided about something, which we could be, we but could you be. know, whatever. We could. Be. And I opinion. think that's going to be 
that will be a uh, spoiler alert when we do the Laquan McDonald, uh, Jason Van Dyke. Um, it's going to be pretty one-sided. Um, not, And here's the thing. I am 100% behind the blue line. Off, police officers risk their, their lives every day to protect us, and I respect them 100% for that. Um, however... With every job, there's always somebody that wants to have the most control. Mm -hmm. um, with every human, there's always somebody who wants to, you know, just assert themselves more. You know, every person wants to be their own leader, their own independent person. And that gets people in trouble on both sides of the spectrum. Yeah. Um, and it's unfortunate because, I mean, someone holding a gun... I, I mean, I've held a gun once, twice. I actually shot a gun for the first time the other day, which was cool. Um, but terrifying at the same time because while holding that, I still think this this this, this thing could end someone's life. And it's scary on both sides. The person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it's, just, you know. Terrified they're going to end someone's life. Right. It's just one of those things I've never heard. I've never held a gun before. I mean, other than like a little toy BB gun. What yeah, I, laser tag. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it, it's just one of those things where, and we talked about it in the Paul McDonald episode, and I guess we can just, just say it again. It, it's We all have standpoint theories, so where we have different, we have different backgrounds, you and I, and from those mm -hmm. different backgrounds, we're going to have different points of view. Now, thank God that we agree on like 90, 95% of those things. Um, but then there are going to be things that, you know, again, because of those backgrounds and we're going to have those ex different experiences and from those experiences, we're going to have different perspectives. And yeah. it's one of those things is that when, you know, how I would see a, uh, how I interacted with the police. Like, yes, I've been racially profiled, profiled before. I remember when I was 14 years old, I'm walking to school. They stopped me, walk, they stopped me. They put me on at the wall. They frisk me. They're looking for a robbery suspect at six in the morning. The suspect I hear on the uh, police radio, six foot four. I wish I was six foot four on my best day. I wish I was five foot five on my best day. But goddamn, like it's just you know you you just wonder. It, it, it's just so you you just have that you know from that experience. You just have that uncomfortability when you see police sirens here or when you hear it. Exactly. So and when, cause when I was 14, I was riding my bicycle still probably with, like, the frilly shit at the end of it mm -hmm. to school. Like, no big deal. Um, I'm probably more of a, a, a six-foot-four-inch six suspect than you would be. Oh, fuck you. Um, <laughs> well, don't give yourself too much credit, shit. <laughs> um, but I do, I, I think that's why I like our podcast so much is because we're we are so from two different spectrums they have two completely point of views but can still have a freaking conversation exactly. and like have our opinions change like i 100 percent see why you would say f the police like from where you grew up and like me i could leave my back door open and yeah, the worst that would happen that. my dog would bark and we'd be like what is that and the person would like I remember, I remember the one time, like I had left. This is when I was when I was living in the dorms, and I 
the first time, it was like the first couple of times I had left my dorm room unlocked, I was like, okay. And then it turns out that, I'm not going to name names, but it turned out that my roommate happened to be dabbling in a little uh, narcotics. You might know who I'm, you might, it, it, when it gets to it, to yeah, yeah. Was. Oh, wait, I think I know who mm-hmm. your roommate was. Okay. And I never forget the yeah. police, police had came, the campus police, and the actual Springfield police had came to my dorm. They talked for me for about an hour, hour and a half as if I had some kind of culpability. And this is one of those things is that, well, I mean, I'm black. So that's the sad, that that's the sad reality in all this, you know? You know, what's also crazy too, now that we're talking about um, just being stereotyped again, this has nothing to do with, me it's just i my first car was a firebird so it was a 1992 firebird evergreen firebird his name was borgie and i have never been pulled over more times than i have with that car now fast forward to 2019 i now have a chevy spark that is a jelly bean blue color i have yet to be pulled over knock on wood though um how's delilah still doing Delilah, fuck Delilah. Dude, Delilah was such a lemon. I was so upset about it. (laughs) She was great if she worked, but she didn't. And Delilah, I got pulled over a bunch of times with her. But she was a red car, and red's like the most noticeable color. So I actually got pulled over right when I first got Delilah. And um, they had to search my whole car, and there was a, a rookie. And he was like, I see something in the back seat. It was the thing of lipstick. (laughs) <laughs> and the police officer looked at my my ID and he goes, "Oh, I live in your in your apartment building. Have a good day. See you later. I know what it's like to have lipstick. I have daughters, and let me tell you, that's us everywhere." Oh. So I guess we might as well just since we're already steamrolled in this whole conversation. Um, one of the things that when I was watching the uh, I was watching the Van Dyke uh, Van Dyke's wife, um, and we talked about it before we went on the air. Um, one of the biggest takeaways that I got out of that, she had said that he made the ultimate sacrifice. He lost his job and his life is over. The ultimate sacrifice. She his said. life is over? His life is over. I but saw still him breathing, breathing on TV and his life is over. The ultimate sacrifice. That's that is very, very strong, and I understand. I, I see where she was. Tr- where, no, I don't see that because he's alive. I'm trying to see. Okay, I see where she's trying to. You know, okay, she was married, and, and they had this life, and this life-altering moment happens, and it, how she tried, how she framed it was just, oh, oh. He fucked up. Bottom line, but how dare you say that to somebody? Who took someone's life? Who took someone's life in all, let's say, with all due respect, took someone's life who showed no, from from the video, showed no threat. I don't know what happened outside of those, but from what we saw, there was no threat. So some an innocent person got murdered, but his life is over. Mm-hmm. His life starts again in six years, maximum. Maximum. Who knows if he gets out of two? What? What? What about Laquan's mother? Mm-hmm. What about her? What about his family? When? Do, when does their life start over again? Yeah. It's it's just very, and it's just one of those things that, and 
a couple days before that, three officers uh, were on trial for allegedly covering up the shooting, and they were found not guilty. So, I mean, it's just you get from one one end of the spectrum that this is even, and then when you couple in the Jason Van Dyke sentencing, this is more, even though he got convicted, it's still the status quo. Like, everything is still, like... If only... the roles were reversed in any way, mm-hmm. it would be different. If it was, let's say, a... a let's say a street a street fight, two people, two neighbors. Mm-hmm. That one would be in jail for the rest of his yeah, life. Yeah, I mean, you can have somebody with a nonviolent drug offense get 81 years. This guy gets 81 months. You can see why people have this. People do not trust the justice system at all. It's it sucks because our justice system is so wonky, and to prove, I mean, it's so wonky. It's there to protect us, but at the same time, people who have murdered people. I understand self defense, and I understand. And I'm not saying anything wrong with police officers. If you pull a gun on a police officer or if you don't do what the police officer says, then you bet your ass you're going to jail or you're going to get shot. Bottom line. Just do what he says. Just show them respect. They'll show you respect. But if you want to sit there and fuck with them, expect to be tased. Expect to be pepper sprayed. But if you're not doing anything... My prescriptions used to be really expensive. Uh But then I went to the guard and stopped. Shut up, See, and that's 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 the beauty of this recording as on I, because you're gonna have fuck ups like that. <laughs> I'm sorry, dear, but continue. But it's it's just unfortunate because, like I was stating earlier, it's like you have the dedicated police officers, which is majority, which probably 98 percent of the entire force, who will do anything they can to protect anybody of any color, any race, any gender, any type of animal you decide you want to be if you are an animal they will do anything in their power to protect you mm-hmm. it's that other percent that is giving everybody the bad name yeah you and, and uh... it's like that with all jobs though all industries you have the majority that wants the best for the company you have those specific ones who give a shit about themselves and what's best for them mm-hmm. yeah and i mean just blurring the lines you just it's just so much just it's so much discord with people who are on let's say the blue lives matter spectrum and people who are on black lives matter and it's i mean it's it's just very it's fucked up in a way and not in a way it is fucked up i mean i was very surprised that I didn't feel that the 16 counts of aggravated battery, which he got to count for each shot, like that seemingly didn't take, uh, it, it didn't, uh, the judge um, didn't take that into account. Or he tried to and said 16, one week for one. And it sucks because, again, it wasn't like it was three shots. It's not like it was five shots. It's not like Laquan had a weapon on him that, mm-hmm. you know, that's the thing is like, if you look at everything of the evidence, which this is where the justice system tried to do the, do the correct thing. They laid out 
the evidence. They laid out the facts. He was found guilty. It, everyone rejoiced, and here he is not only going to jail for six years. He should go to jail minimum 16 years for each bullet he put into Laquan's body. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, this is just... Huh. And I guess it's one of those things as we, you know, as the days and weeks come... And you'll see kind of like, because then you have the mayoral candidates and one of them happens to be Gary McCarthy, who was the Chicago police superintendent at the time that uh, the shooting occurred and actually was lost his job because when the cover up uh, got revealed. So this is going to be very interesting how the next couple of weeks plays out. Yeah, we'll definitely, definitely have to really, really probably probably get some recordings of the entire um, case just so we can sit there and really analyze it because there's so many different aspects to look at. And it sucks because people nowadays look, you know, either right side or left side. There's no in between. No. And that's that's where majority of things lie. It's not black and white. It's very gray. And we have to understand that. Yes, we all have the same emotions. Mm -hmm. Yes, we all feel these emotions, but we experience them di differently. And right. well, then our that's outcomes it. are and, different. And, 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 and you are, it's kind of like a Cody Parkey kick. That's uh. not clutch. You are normal. You are 100% right. But in a situation where somebody has his back turned against them and he gets shot 16 times, it is extremely hard, even trying to play devil's advocate to say, hey, mm -hmm. look, adrenaline kicked in. It's a span of 14, 16 seconds and 16 shots. His back, That's he doesn't insane. have, he's not lunging at him, even though they, they admit, the police reports initially said he did. It's just very hard to kind of have that, well, seeing from his point of view. And I understand, look, when you are a police officer, that, you know, it's it's a very high, stressful, you know, mm -hmm. uh, uh, job. You know, as we, as we have unfortunately seen in the last several months, uh, you know, they've, they've lost their life in the line of duty. So nobody... Doing it to protect us. Exactly. Van Dyke wasn't protecting Laquan. He wasn't protecting his squad. He... I don't know if he got this power hungry surge where he's like i'm gonna be the hero da, da, da. you don't have to be the fucking hero you're not you're not you're not a hero by any means i don't know what's lower than i mean some people may call him the devil i don't know what's lower than that um because i feel like the devil's still kind of some type of respect that he does not deserve mm -hmm. um because again one shot, two shots, three shots. Okay. But 16, 16. And this is why I love body cams. And, yeah. um, because a lot of times too, like even the cruiser cams, they would quote unquote disappear when there was, you know, evidence that needed to be seen. All of a sudden police officers don't know where it went. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's why I love the body cam. Because it really, really shows us what happened. Right. And that's why it makes me mad because they straight up lied about it. They straight up lied about all of it. And he's getting six years for it. It's that. 
it that. Yeah. Because who knows? You might. He, he, it might be 2021 or 2022. Because two years is mandatory that he has to serve. And I hope he's serving Cook County, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yep. And I don't know if they're going to take into account the time already served. Um, they, they have to take into account time already served. So when you add on those that with the two years, or if you add the two years on with that, he's probably he's going to be home before you know it. By Christmas, probably. Oh, shit. And it and it sucks because unlike Laquan, he gets to go home to a family. He gets to start all over again. Granted, he doesn't get to be the police officer he wanted to be because he fucked up and he can't do the fucking job. But he gets to start over. He gets to reinvent himself. He gets to do life again. But you know who doesn't? Laquan. Laquan. Yeah. Yeah, and um, before we go, we do want to uh, do want to add um, what uh, Reverend Marvin Hunter, the great uncle of McDonald, had said um, right after the uh, sentencing was announced, and this is um, according to the Chicago Tribune. Um, if they sentence him to one minute, it's a victory, and in the sense, a strong message, and. Again, when you talk about uh, what we have seen in the last three, four, the last four, five, six years with um, police officers who are involved in Af- uh, in the murders of um, African American and Mexican American and other minorities, um, when you see that in many of the cases that police officers don't even get indicted, let alone you know get convicted. I mean, maybe this is the first step uh, as in to hold police officers accountable. But then again, when you see the police off the three police officers just the other day who uh, were found not guilty. uh, I mean, it's it's again, it's just I always say this is it's a slippery slope in a sense, at least in my in my view. Well, you're right about it being a slippery slope, and there we go. I can't. Remember. It's, I never it it takes that. baby. No, no, no. But you're right because it's it's going to take baby steps to get to where we need to be, um, and we just just look at everything we've done in the past hundred years here. Um, you know, we've might have gone backwards a little bit in the past couple of years, but that's okay um, because we we have in the next hundred years, hopefully. Um, global warming is a real thing, ladies and gentlemen. So if you don't think it's true, you must believe the earth is flat too. So we'll talk about that at a different time, (laughs) but the, you're right. I think these are the baby steps to equality. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, you know, this, um, boy, we, uh, this has been a very long episode yeah i think this is the longest one we have done as at least on a not even i guess when you don't consider like the part one part two and again and we're going to have to finish out the r kelly uh this whole saga and this is just the first couple of parts and we will again have jet on um uh, again thank you jet so much again thanks siobhan and even though fuck her wi-fi uh, Faith travels to Vegas, girl. Yes, and uh, win me <laughs> some money, please. Um, 
Before we go, uh, hit the good folks with our uh, social media input. Awesome. So everybody who stayed the hour and a half, thank you. Um, happy 2019. Only great things to come. You can reach me on Twitter um, at I like stuff 630 You can hit me up on Instagram at Instacam630. And if you can find Birdman on Facebook, you'll find me. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> That's a perfect segue. Uh, you can... <laughs> I thought, you know, I wasn't even going to say, it's like, oh, wait, shit, she knows my whole shit? I'm like, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> you can find me on Birdman Iceberg on Facebook. You can find me on Bird, for, Bird underscore your underscore enthusiasm. And you can find me on Twitter on Birdman for America. That's a number. 2020. He's 2020. coming for 2020. And with me is my running mate. So we're going to. Uh... <laughs> yes. Oh, God. That, that would just be the campaign from hell. That oh, would be crazy. Boy. Oh. Oh, we, we, we. Oh. Oh. You. Exchanges. First thing I'm doing, legalizing you marijuana. <laughs> She's like, yeah. You, you saw her eyes just perked up. She's like, <laughs> Slippery slope. Oh, okay. <laughs> and guys, we will. Uh, we, this is supposed to be like we're gonna have like the season premiere with the uh, Saint Valentine's Massacre, and that will happen on February fourteenth. So, because it is the ninetieth anniversary, so I mean, Y'all, what better way to do it? Happy Valentine's Day. What other way to do it? Right. So I don't know if this is like the preseason for season two. <laughs> yes. Oh my God! Look, I could change my face. Yeah, what the fuck? Yeah, I'm like whoa, shit. That's so weird. Wait, I could be a dragon. No, don't, don't. Uh-oh. Okay, now you're regular. <laughs> Jesus Christ! It's like it's like a it's like a terrible special effect from a 1990s B movie. Right. Oh my gosh! And I was just watching Game of Thrones. Ugh. I can't get off it. It looks like Spiral on crack. I don't know if you ever... <laughs> <laughs> oh, here's a good one. Here's a good one. All right, all right guys. Um, again, thank you so much on uh, such short notice as for Joan Jet. Uh, okay, Jesus and Cam. Uh, this is Bird signing out. Um, catch your asses down Peace the out, road. Scouts. And be there or be killed. Be killed, bitches. There we Bye. Go.